What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 41 of Bet New Boozin here on the HHH Racing Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Roscoe, and what a good card we have upcoming for you guys tonight, as it is Belmont at the Big A, racing at Aqueduct. Of course, the Belmont beat getting moved there as the construction continues on over at Belmont Park. It will be the middle pick five, which we're going to cover. That includes four stakes races, including the grade two gallant, um, the grade two, excuse me, uh, grade two Vosburg stakes, which is a Breeders' Cup win and you're in. The uh, grade two gallant bloom stakes was the one I was thinking of. My apologies again. The, the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic, which is a grade one, which is a very, very nice race this year. And of course, the grade two Woodward stakes, which is also a very good uh, race this time around, but it's going to be a great car. We're going to cover a lot of races for you guys tonight. So hopefully you are going to enjoy, but as you see scrolling on the bottom of the screen, please go below the video player, hit the like button and please hit subscribe. That only helps us out as one. It helps us gain more notoriety, but also it pushes this out into the YouTube algorithm to hopefully get more people to watch these, this show and every other show that's posted here on the HHH racing podcast. And for that, we thank you, of course. So please make sure you hit that like button. Um, as you see, again, scrolling on the bottom of the screen, next live show is tomorrow for the flagship show, Howard, Pete, and Paul. Actually, I believe they're down Pete tomorrow as it is uh, his as kids Jackson's birthday. So happy birthday to him. Um, but they will be covering an all, the all stakes um, all stakes at the Santa Anita on Saturday, including their Breeders' Cup winning your ins, which includes the grade one Awesome again, stakes, and it's absolutely fantastic card. Would highly recommend you check that out again. That is tomorrow at 7:30 p.m. Eastern Time, live here on the HHH Racing Podcast channel. I would again please come out and show your support for that. But for those of you that don't know, we also post every single episode on audio platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. Please go over there, rate, review, subscribe. If you're more of an audio listener, whether you listen to it while you work, while you're at the gym, in the car, anything, all the above, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. And again, rate, review, and subscribe. The Power Picks, guys, patreon.com slash HHH Racing Podcast. They're extremely affordable and they're extremely profitable. Again, we have a 2.34 ROI since this um, since this came out back, I believe almost two years ago at this point, which is absolutely insane. We're still chugging along with positive ROI. So if you guys are not subscribed, you guys are missing out again. That's patreon.com slash HHH racing podcast, only 1599 a month. That comes out to $4 a weekend and you get two tra- two full tracks of spot plays, price plays, ABC grids, pick fives, anything you want and need to be successful on the day of, I would highly recommend the HHH Racing Podcast Power Picks. But And then if you want to go to our website to find out anything about us, previous editions of the Power Picks, if you want to check those out before you buy, that is HHHRacingPodcast.com. And guys, welcome in. I see we got a bunch of viewers already. Thank you guys so much for joining in. You are not going to want to miss this show as there's a lot of good information. Sadly, a lot, a few, what I think is going to be heavy favorites is for you that, for those of you that don't know, this card only came out probably about five, six hours ago. And um, Noah, Patrick and I, Charlie's unfortunately has an exam for uh, at the Ohio state. I didn't know they had exams over there, um, but he has an exam tonight. So we will be missing uh, this show. Unfortunately, hopefully he'll pop in at the end. He said, if he gets out of his exam early enough, but Noah, Patrick, and I are holding down the fort with this uh, obviously a little bit quicker handicapping segment, but nonetheless, 
in depth. So hopefully you guys will enjoy tonight's show. But we're going to bring on, like I said, we're not going to waste any more time. I'm going to bring on our co-host right now. And we're going to get right into it as we are covering six races for you guys. The four stakes including and including two allowance races in the middle pick five, which is a one, a mandatory payout. And two, it covers three of the four stakes races, excluding the Vosburg. But the Vosburg, as you'll see when we bring it up, we're not going to talk about the Vosburg very long. And like I said, you'll see why. But from the East Coast of New Jersey, Patrick Consul, and from the West Coast, I got the East and West Coast boys. No one in the middle. Noah Maher, boys, what's going on? Nothing much. How are we doing? What's going on? Yeah, nothing. And Matt Miller, I see your comment in there. I have, I actually have more that I got to, I meant to hang them up before tonight, but uh, we got, I got busy a little bit last, uh, these past few days. And obviously with them coming out so, um, so quick before the show, I had to get to it. But yeah, the wall is filling up quickly, Matt. Thanks for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. Mike Lawson is here. Thanks so much for joining the show. Katie is here. She's going to be joining after the Yankees game. Thanks so much, Katie. Greatly appreciate you popping in for a little bit. And then Simon O'Neill, of course, my favorite viewer from across the pond, is here. So, guys, thank you guys so much. And if you guys have any opinions, I know this card just came out. But if you guys have any opinions in these races, please comment in the live chat. Or any, or if you want to say anything in the live chat, please do. We read every single message. But, guys, like I said, we're not going to waste any time here. we got a lot of races to cover. And hopefully this can be a little bit quicker show. As I said, there are some pretty decently heavy favorites in here. But... Starting this race, this uh, sequence that we're going to cover starts in race three. The mandatory pick five starts in race four. So we are going to cover race three first, which is, of course, the win and you're in Vosburgh Stakes. Grade two going seven furlongs on the dirt again at Aqueduct. Belmont meet, of course, but moved over to Aqueduct as Belmont's doing their construction. It is a field of six. And Howard, uh, Patrick, before we get into this race, after I explain it, I'll let you touch on Howard's thing in the chat is this only hindered this uh, quick handicapping here. But um, as you'll see, this is the field of six for the grade two Vosburgh stakes. There is one big name that you guys know in here. <laughs> the number six, Cody's Wish, Junior Alvarado, Bill Mott, of course, as always. Everyone knows the story by now. If you don't, you need to go watch something on YouTube. Go search up Cody's Wish on YouTube and you'll get the full story. But guys, I mean, this is a win and you're in for the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, or as I like to call it, my favorite Breeders' Cup race, the big-ass fans, Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. But, I mean, we'll get into it, guys, and we'll switch the picks right now. But it, it it's if Cody is ready and he's ready to run his race, this almost seems like a no-brainer. No, I'll go to you. We don't. We're going to talk probably about a minute on this race, and please, obviously, touch on Cody's wish. Um, but feel free to touch on anybody else that um, you think is a little bit interesting for underneath. Yeah, I, I, I just think a big hitter like Cody is not going to stub his hoof twice. I mean, he just he ran kind of extremely disappointing in that in that Whitney race. I mean, he was going a mile and eights, which from the get go was a concern. Um, but I just think he's he's ultra talented and he's not going to do that again. Um, I think this the second most likely would be accretive. Um, but you made a good point earlier uh, before we came on that he's he's been getting pretty good trips. Um, he's he's pretty talented. I feel like the seven furlongs is definitely the perfect distance for him. Mm -hmm. um, but you're just going up against such a big hitter like Cody. So I, I, I just don't really see much of a chance there. 
Yeah, and I we talked about this. Creative's gotten a lot of good trips, but the nice thing about having these horses that are tactical is they make their own trips. We always talk about it. Obviously, Irad is going to ha- have a creative in a very in a very nice spot, probably ahead of Cody's Wish. Could get the jump, but Cody's Wish looks obviously he's always ultra talented. But in this field, if Cody's Wish is back to the Cody's Wish, we all know and love. Which it almost to your point, Noah. I'm not even sure if the distance got him. It's almost like he just never really got into stride. Like it almost like it's, it didn't look like the Cody's wish that we all know. If that makes sense, he was. I don't necessarily think the distance was the issue because he's ran well. I mean, at two turns at Tampa and the Challenger, he ran well. So, and we all knew that it was going to be a concern. But I really don't think it was the distance. But if Cody's wish is back to Cody's wish, um he wins this going away and Patrick, I'll have to have the final before we move on anything else that you want to touch on before we move. Yeah. I don't really know if I'm going to hit much on Cody, like you guys yeah, said, uh, but high Oak, um, high Oak interests me a little bit. Um, ran sneaky. Well in the four go, you know, lost to uh Knight and elite power. Uh, I ran unbelievable in that race. I, I just like the way, uh, you know, high Oak kicked on in that spot. Yeah. And I think, uh, should be, should sit a decent trip in this spot. I don't think, you know, we'll win, but I, I'm definitely going to play an exact with Cody and High Oak. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And Siggy Mendoza, man, thanks so much for joining the show. Greatly appreciate right it. There. Cody's wish over High Oak 100 times, knocking on the door with Patrick right there. High Oak is extremely interesting for me. And if he can continue to build off that forego, I think he's extremely interesting underneath. Get a little Bill Mott exacta in there. But obviously, creative. And Sheriff Bianco, we didn't talk about, who I have in second are also very talented, but, and look to set a good trip. But if the speed kind of melts away, high Oak could be in that second flight next to Cody or, and he, he likes to be either way. So high Oak could definitely be interesting underneath, I think. But for me, it's Cody's wish. And then kind of everyone else, at least yeah. that's the way it looks on paper. I'm going six, three, four, Patrick's going six, five, three. Noah's going six, four, five <laughs> guys. We switched from a race that looks very straightforward on paper to a race that, I'm going to be honest and pardon my, I have no fucking idea what's happening. What's going to happen in this race. This is a 62,000 optional claimer. This is race for the start of the mandatory pick five, uh, a mandatory payout middle pick five, including the three stakes. And it is going a mile on the dirt. And I switch over to here right now. Um, It draws a field of eight in this field. And I mean, there could be four horses going up for favoritism in this race. Um, bold endeavor for Irad and Jacobson would be, I mean, he is coming off of 10 day layoff, but would probably be the, the suggested morning line favorite. Obviously we'll see David Aragona's line as it continues to move, but I'm going to switch the banners over right now. Um, and only Noah and I have picked Patrick had a pickleball tournament, which, um, I hope, I sure hope he won for what he's, uh, for what he's doing to us today. But, um, Patrick, as I switch over the picks, feel free to, Talk about whatever you need to talk about it. According to the, I got I got my ass kicked. I'm not good at pickleball, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not. We don't need to go any further than that. You know, I don't think you want my picks tonight either, because it's it's not going to be good after what happened on the pickleball court. Hey, if your picks are like your it's pickleball, sport, though, I don't know if you guys have played it. You know, not to get off track. It's pretty fun. I have not played it. No, um, I'm I'm not. I'm I'm sticking to the. I stick to the golf and baseball for me, but. Um, I've you. definitely seen a lot. I mean, it's the grow, fastest growing sport in America, they say. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, are you a pickleball champion or what? Never played. 
Just fucking with you. But we'll go on to race four, guys. You see, Noah and I are we have semi, but we're pretty much all over the board here. Noah's going with the number four bourbon calling for Manny Franco and Rob Atris. I'm going with the number eight guntown for Linda Rice and Jose Ortiz, a horse that we chased at Saratoga, Patrick. Um, but no, I'll let you go first here. Um, with Bourbon Calling, who definitely has the back numbers to fit in this spot, hasn't been good as good of as late, but could de- if he returns to form, could definitely be very interesting in the spot. Yeah, one thing we're sticking to in this show tonight is profanity, and this race is an absolute shit show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you guys are probably thinking, no, what the hell are you doing picking a horse that's passed three horses in the last three races? Well, the, the race is that bad. Um, uh, my thought with bourbon calling was yes, as you pointed out, um, those three races, uh, back in January, February, March of this year, um, will probably win this race. Um, the last four, I have no idea what happened, but my thought is, you know, you get the trainer switch to actress who's hitting at 20% off the claim and you're getting back to a surface that he definitely prefers five out of five, uh, in the money. So I just, I was just thinking maybe take a shot with those two kind of angles. I know he's seven, um, and he's probably just uh, digressing. Um, but the race is just so bad that I just ended up going with bourbon calling. Yeah, I mean, you can see it right here. In the last five years, Atris has 235 starts off the claim, and he's 56 wins. So he's winning a 24% clip with 60% in the money. So Atris, obviously we know, but he's always dangerous off the claim. But first time profanity, welcome to Ben and Muzin, <laughs> says the boss. I'm glad, hey, we get supported around here. That's what matters. But Bourbon Calling is extremely interesting for these races alone back here at Aqueduct, might I add. But these last few just, I mean, granted, you you race horses like Repo Rocks, Zandon, Waver, and Costa Terra, and Nakatomi. We say it all the time with the running lines. If he takes back to a little bit more of what he's known to be his forte, which is these optional claiming spots, if he returns to this form, he could be very tough to beat in a spot like this. But for me, obviously, as you can see my picks, I would need to see that first. If he beats me, I'm going to let him beat me. I went with the number eight, who Noah actually has in second, Guntown, Linda Rice. Another horse, you'll see a lot of horse, um, a lot of common themes here that these horses are kind of showing on the decline in these last few. I like that Guntown, one, is not in for the claim. Linda Rice is just as hot now at Belmont, at Aqueduct, as she was at Saratoga. She's winning at a 26% clip. She's, um, Guntown has off since september 2nd so he'll have a month in between these races um you can see a cred of uncle moonlight tonal impact vittorio um you can see these um these horses that guntown is run against are running in stakes and graded stakes company so getting to come back to this optional claiming spot where guntown might be more in his zone still where there's not really a graded caliber horse in here I think Guntown is extremely interesting, especially coming from the outside to hopefully get a clean run at it. But I'm going to stick with Guntown. And I'll talk real quick about Swiftsure here. Swiftsure, I think just even though coming from claiming races, I think just sits a really nice strip on the front end. If no one goes with Swiftsure, he's going to have to improve. But the number 90, I mean, that 93 and even 81 could be competitive in this field. While maybe not on the win end, if there's someone going with him, I think Swiftsure is extremely interesting going off from the front end and will be live um, come race time. But obviously we don't have any morning line odds or anything like that. So you have to take a look at the tote board, but I think Swiftsure is extremely interesting, especially with 
friendly rider Kendrick Carmouche aboard. Noah, you went with the number eight, Guntown, but you also have the number six, Bold Endeavor, who I don't have anywhere. And this, to my, like I said at the start, is most likely going to be the morning line favorite. Bold Endeavor has, uh, Rob N likes Bold Endeavor a lot, and I'll save my commentary for why I don't like Bold Endeavor, but feel free to expand. I know you don't like him necessarily on top, but you do have him in the money. No, not at all on top. Um, I mean, he's definitely talented. His figures just seem definitely spotty. Um, you go mm -hmm. back to the race at Saratoga and, and runs a 92, which is great, but 21 to one, obviously he wasn't, you know, expected to win that race. Um, and then September 21st, uh, at the same track as the run on Saturday, um, he's just kind of fading, um, not really running his best. And then Jacobson wants to run him back in a week. I, I just, I don't really know what to do with that. It just kind of gives me a weird vibe. And um, I mean, that's exactly what. I saw, I mean, granted, again, you could see we could go over running lens again as much as we want. Sheriff Bianco, who's in the um, the Vosburg that we just talked about. Bold Endeavor, last time out, which was September 21st. This race will be run on September 30th. That'll be nine days since his last start. And he's seven years old, lost by 10 and a quarter lengths, and was up, was up in mid-flight and weakened back. I know it didn't drop too many lengths, but I mean, this horse was done at the half mile pole. Maybe, maybe you can argue that he didn't do as much running as David Jacobson wanted him to do. So he's going to put him right back in. And obviously we can look at it right here. I mean, we could just go in here days between starts. Um, let's go one to 10 days and let's just see what David Jacobson says. So he's six for 38 in the last five years coming one to seven days. So he has one, he's 53% in the money, which is actually one thing to be considered but this just seems like a very quick turnaround for bold endeavor and with spotty numbers and most likely favoritism i'm and especially with the irad money that he's going to take he could win absolutely but i'm going to willing i'm going to willingly take a shot against him but bold endeavor is most likely the favorite and the horse to beat the last horse i'm going to talk about before we move on noah is the number one full screen and this is one horse that I really didn't know what to do with, honestly. That's a common theme again in this race. And this race is by no means my my strongest opinion on the card. Um, this is a very soft opinion for me in this race. But full screen ran in the four-star Dave last time. I, I mean, never favored. Back in when it was racing against Ontario Breds, he won um, at, like I said, at Woodbine going a mile on his 16th. This is a turn back to one turn. And last time at one turn on dirt, he's on synthetic, but one by four and three quarters in a restricted stake up at Woodbine. So if he takes the dirt, which, I mean, these workouts, you want to talk about some workouts, these two workouts at Saratoga and Belmont make it seem like this horse will easily take to the turf, but full screen obviously has some question marks and drawing from the rail in this spot where he's going to want to be up front, but not necessarily on the lead Rosario is going to have to make some decisions here, whether he wants to stay in behind horses or get him out. But he does have a long run, obviously, to the turn to do that. But the full number one full screen to me is definitely interesting, at least underneath. But there's many different ways you can go in this spot. I'm going 871. Noah's going 486. Patrick, like I said, I know you looked at these pretty quickly, but if you have anything, um, I'll let you obviously have the final word. So anything you want to touch on before you move on? You know, uh, I was looking at, and the one, you you did hit on a couple good points. You know, I've always wondered, you know, they say that Tapita, you know, kind of refers 
towards you put it in the same category as the turf leaning you know in similarity I, you know this could be a spot where this horse gets onto the dirt and you know spark something sparks and runs well so i do find that horse interesting especially it's going to be at a price i mean you look at the, the horse's last four races the, the lowest it's been is 26 to 1 almost 27 to 1 um so that horse definitely does interest me and uh then just going into the chat howard brings up about the weather it's been awful uh, yep. And this weekend's not going to be any better. So um, it's going to be interesting. I know this is on dirt, but, you know, we're, we have a couple of big races on turf. So we'll see. Oh, I mean, and like I said, there's always that question mark, right, is whether this horse will take to the dirt. But these workouts obviously point to this horse take to full screen taking to the dirt. Yep. But we're going to have to obviously see it in a race where this – I mean, she could even draw second favoritism with those types of workouts. And, and the, the buyers fit. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's just really a lot of ways you can go in this spot, but we'll take we'll take it to the next race here. The next race on the card is race number five. We are going, um, as I switch over right now, is the grade two gallon bloom stakes going six and a half furlongs on the dirt for Phillies and Mares, three years old and up. And it only draws a field of six in here, but there are some pretty talented Phillies in this spot. Phillies and Mares, I should say. Um I'll switch over right now. Sorry, pressing a lot of buttons here. Number the mo- most likely morning line favorite, I would say, is the number one Carmel Swirl for Junior Alvarado and Bill Mott, followed by the number three undervalued asset and the number two Sterling Silver would be my opening guess here. Obviously, we don't have any morning lines, but I'm gonna switch over the picks right now. And obviously, it's just me and Noah that have our picks up on the screen. But we are both going with the number one, Caramel Swirl. And I don't know about you, Noah, but, I mean, the figures fit by by all means. I'm going to go switch over right now. But the figures fit. I mean, she looks to be aggressive, doesn't necessarily need the lead, but can take it if she wants. Yeah, I, I just think Caramel Swirl is just flat out the best horse in here. I mean, you look back at that, at that ballerina. Uh, on a wet track, look look who she lost to. I mean, Echo Zulu, Good Night, all of them. Matter you're gonna you're gonna see him in a in a couple of weeks down at Santa Anita. Um, and yes, just like you said, figures fit. I just think she's just the most talented here. I um, I was kind of looking for some others. Uh, a little more obvious would be undervalued asset. Um, another Chad that's gotten some pretty good trips. Uh, I don't really know how good that Charleston Oaks was. Vava's uh, she's decent. Um, I don't know if she really compares to Carmel Swirl in this spot. Um, and then in third, I threw in Beguine just because I feel like she maybe has a pace advantage. Yep. I don't see a ton of pace. Uh, maybe she can, you know, be brave. Uh, Edward Allard is more of a smaller name, but he's he's hitting for at 22% for the year. I feel like a, a small name like that, um, he's not going to ship just a paint. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You can see in these races, um, I mean, Delaware, Pimlico. So he's an Eastern east coast trainer racing at the you know a little bit smaller circuits like delaware um where he's mainly out of but i mean winning at 22 percent is no small feat in his own right and if begin can get out front and like you said be a little brave i mean she has a 101 buyer in there at aqueduct last year so if she gets brave on the front end could definitely be one to consider for sure but i'll talk a little bit about caramel swirl here i mean Losing behind these three horses, I mean, only by eight and three quarters, she was the best of the rest, realistically speaking. I'm fine with her finishing off the board in that race. Get Running into Goodnight Olive and Wicked Halo, I mean, beating Dr. B, who's a horse that runs a lot over in New York in the graded stakes, 
Rosa Veloce, Lo, Veloce, who's a very nice horse in her own right. And obviously the rest of them, I could go on and on about Carmel Swirl, but I just think she's tactical. I don't think she needs to lead by any means. I think six and a half furlongs hits her straight between the eyes. Just a lot of stuff's pointing straight to Carmel Swirl. Obviously, we'll have to see how the rail is, but my and my guess would be um, the number three undervalued asset and number four Begin would be the ones to go out for the front. Um even the number six headland uh, likes to be towards the front as well. It doesn't necessarily need the lead by any means either, but there's some decent speed in this race. And if Carmel swirl is just better, which is what she looks like on paper, she could end up just sitting right behind anyone who's in front and just type passing them by the quarter pole. But this race is extremely interesting, especially for underneath, but I like Carmel swirl a lot on top. Patrick, again, I know you're a little quick through these races, but anything you want to add before we move on? No, I agree with you guys. All you said with Carmel Swirl. Uh, I'm going to try and uh, beat undervalued asset for second, though. Um, you know, you did hit on the two who does interest me as <laughs> yep. well. Um, I think it's one of those spots. You know, this horse runs in the, the uh, ballerina and just, you know, not matched. But in a softer field, I could see Sterling Silver, you know, being, you know, seven to one in this spot. And, you know, you get you could get a nice price when an exacta. Yeah, and if you're a horse for course type of person, I mean these work this workout at Belmont should catch your eye. And she's three for five at Aqueduct. So yeah, that's one thing to keep in mind Good as point. well. I just think she's very interesting. She sits kind of that same trip, maybe a little bit farther back than Carmel Sorrel wants to be. And if the if they if they do out and get tired up front, I think Sterling Silver is the one to pass. Maybe not for first, as I think Carmel Sorrel is just a little bit on the upper echelon, but Sterling Silver could definitely get second in a field like this. Yeah. But um, I'm going one, two, three, funny enough. And Noah's going one, three, four. But a few things I want to touch on before we move on, guys. I'll make us full screen. Um, Howard obviously said that the weather in New York's been crap, lots of rain. Clear tomorrow, rain possible. So the turf will be a little bit wetter, which obviously helps some horses that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but keep, obviously, the weather in mind as New York, it just seems like it's been a – a uh, constant problem this year for all of us to say the least. So um, Richard Avila asked how shards training shards is training very well. He's going to be, um, he's projected into a tough spot. We'll see as we get closer, but we're very high on him. And we think he can run a big race, whether he wins or not. Um, Topper missile, by the way, um, for those of you that don't, um, that don't know, he is in at Churchill next week. He will not be going to Keeneland. Um, but we did card in, I believe, to Churchill Downs in a two-year-old allowance race that we, I think we look pretty good in. So keep your eye out for Copper Missile as well as Shards in the next coming weeks. Richard, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Charles B says, hello. I do also I concur with your point. Scratch just definitely changed the race dynamics. Um, we'll obviously, we'll keep that for the day of, but yeah, these small fields in New York obviously are nothing new. Rob N likes the number four Begin. Um, Katie is back. Thanks so much for joining the show, Katie. Again, greatly appreciate it. I would say hope for the Yankees won, but that's not they, me. So I won't be win. saying that. They did win? Yeah. Are they are they eliminated yet? I think they oh, are. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're not very good. Oh, I, the thing that I saw was um, this is like the first time in 20 years that the Cardinals – Red Sox or Yankees haven't made the postseason. Yeah, 30 years. 20, 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. Yeah. That's what it Isn't was. Isn't that crazy? It's it's honestly a wild, like my, even our, I mean, your guys' lives, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but my whole life I've seen one of those teams in the postseason. It's just a little 
wild to think about, honestly. But we're going to move on to race number six here, guys. We're actually we're chugging along here. We're going pretty good. So let's keep her going. This, in my opinion, um, obviously it has the top grading of the day. But this is, in my opinion, the best race on the entire day. Uh, the Joe Hirsch Turf Classic, a grade one, going a mile and a half on the turf. And you'll see the, the mile and a half, you immediately see some familiar faces here as I move to the Equibase here. Draws a field of nine. Most likely morning light favorite. I mean, gosh, I mean, there's many different ways you can go. There's a lot of talent in this field. Warlike God is obviously Rebels Romance, who unfortunately clipped heels last time, but is looking ready to go. William Buick ships over here, so I'd assume Rebels Romance will get favoritism. Stone Age uh, for Irad and Brown. Soldier Rising, who's run some really nice races. Astronaut. There's just a lot of talent in this field. And actually, I didn't see Noah's picks at all in this race. And we are going with the same three horses. So then I guess it's not too wide open. But I'm going, um, I'm actually going with the number three, Stone Age, while you are going with the number five, Rebels Romance. And as we can talk about over and over again, um, it's not just the Euro form that brings them in here for us. I'm sure you can talk about Rebels Romance. Um, and I'll talk about a little bit of hit that I don't like on Rebels Romance, but I'll let you obviously tell me why I'm wrong first. So what'd you like most about Rebels Romance? Yeah, I just think talent-wise, Rebels Romance is up there with just about any horse yeah. uh, on turf in the States right now. Um, deservedly won the Breeders' Cup turf last year at Keeneland um, and then was one to two and unfortunately lost Richard Mullen, who I think kind of suffered an injury, if I remember yep. correctly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, I just thought that, People were kind of pooing Charles Appleby this year. You know, he hasn't kind of been performing in the States as well as he has in the past. Um, but he's still hitting at 27%. Um, and he had a big winner in War uh, Master of the Seas, I think is the name, yep. uh, at Woodbine either a week or two ago. Uh, so I just think that uh, this is the, the kind of time during the year that Appleby kind of starts to pick things up. You know, he's, he's pretty successful. And like you mentioned, William Buick, He's not, he's not coming over on a horse I can't win. Absolutely. I mean, look, it's Rebels Romance, guys. Like, we're not, I'm not going to sit here and poo poo Rebels Romance. Um, that, that Breeders' Cup turf that he ran at Keeneland was one of the best, better, better performances I've ever seen. I mean, he, the way he just swept past that field was actually, was not unbelievable, but it was a very good showing. Obviously, went to Dubai, didn't run very well over there, but he ran behind probably the best horse in the world right now in Equinox. And then last time, obviously, I would say he pre- he probably was going to win that last race. Um, he was two to five and most likely going to sweep past that field again and unfortunately clipped heels and lost Richard Mullen on the far turn. There's only one thing that I don't like too much about Rebels Romance. And um, they could have sh- – I actually – please correct me if I'm wrong because if, um, if I'm wrong, this does change my opinion. Um if Rebels Romance shipped back to the UK, which, uh, judging by since, but July 30th could have stayed at Saratoga, but um, if he shipped back to the UK and worked over there, that's definitely a plus for me. But if he hasn't worked since that Saratoga race, that's what's going to be. Um, obviously, I'm, I've literally just thought about this now, and I don't know how I could be so stupid, but. Um, 
it just looked like Rebels Romance hasn't worked since that. I'm sure, yeah, he shipped back. Not an unusual move. Thank you, Howard. So that does change my opinion on Rebels Romance. My only knock was that he hadn't worked since Saratoga, but I don't know, dude. I, I blame I blame the ADD on everything, but um, that's just my bad. So, so Rebels Romance would definitely be up there for me. Um, if he's ready to go again, he just looks like the most talented horse in this field. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm going to do it. I don't even care. No shame. You guys poo-poo me for it. I don't even care. So I'm going, I'm going to change my pick. I'm going to go 5-3. The only thing I didn't like was the horse uh, didn't work. Um, yeah. The number three, Stone Age, is who we like in second. The last time, I think he just needed one. I mean, rest, running on yielding turf at uh, Saratoga last time out just really was not good at all. Um, was actually bet down a favoritism, which I thought was extremely interesting that day. Um, in the Sword Dancer, Soldier Rising, um, Bolshoi Ballet, Pioneering Spirit. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of good running line in this horse, and I mean, of, it's Stone Age. We all know um, he got second in the Breeders' Cup Turf last year behind the aforementioned Rebels Romance. He hasn't won over here in the states yet, but um, Stone Age is still one to be considered off the trainer switch, second time off that long layoff for Chad Brown. Obviously, no, you have him in second. I'll let you finish up with the horse who we have in third as well, who's obviously the very talented Philly Warlike Goddess or Mary. Yeah, Warlike Goddess is tons of respect for the horse and the connections. Um, she has kind of struggled of late uh, in those last two and at short prices. Uh, and she is going up against the boys again. So she is a bit uh, against it, I would say. Uh, another knock would be that Rosario's not on. Uh, for what reason, I'm not sure. I think Joel's not here there. I think he's at Santa Anita, correct me if oh, I'm is wrong. He? Oh, is he? I believe. He's on races earlier in the card. Is he? Am I super? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you are. He is. Because he's uh, on Yeah, I am. Thanks, Noah. I appreciate that. <laughs> um. So, yeah. So, I don't know, actually. That's actually a good um, – is he on any other horse in this race? Oh, right. Uh, Maybe he's like the most like us. <laughs> I mean, get, get off my horse, I guess. I don't. That's actually that's very interesting that you. I was taking over. over. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, I was called stupid, so I need to. Uh, <laughs> I need to give up something, but we're like guys. Obviously, he's extremely talented. And last race, I mean, you should. If you want to watch a replay, go ahead and watch that one. I mean, she got steadied. I think three times in that race. So, I mean, that's, I mean, we all know who was on her, but um, she should have won that race, frankly. She's obviously very good, could get in the money, but the two Euros to her outside, Rebels Romance, who's extremely talented, um, and the Charles Appleby have been firing as of late. Stone Age uh, with Chad looks to improve second off the layoff, so I'm going to go there as well. Soldier Rising is a horse we didn't talk about. Very talented in his own right. He just, we talk about it all the time. He just does not like to win, guys, and and when you're coming up in a spot like this versus a spot um, like against Channel Maker, no disrespect to Channel Maker. Obviously, he's, I mean, he's nine and he's still winning grade ones, grade twos. So there's no disrespect there at all. But Rebels Romance and Stone Age, in my opinion, is just a different ball game. So if he can't win against other horses, I don't think he is going to have a shot here. But in the money is definitely a possibility to me that just horse seems like he's never bound to win. A graded stake. Uh, Adhamo is another interesting one. I actually loved in the uh, United Nations when he won that day. 
Granted, of course he did because he was favored. So, of course, I loved him that day. But second off the long layoff, come back, came back in the Arlington Million and ran behind a monster flying set piece that day. Um, so, so Adhamo is definitely interesting. Second off the long layoff and been working really well. So high, looks very short on numbers these last two races, but ran has run decent numbers, but will definitely need to improve back to get there. Pioneering Spirit for Linda Rice is another interesting one. Granted, going a mile and a half, he just hasn't really shown. I mean, he did win at a mile and three eighths at Saratoga. That was an optional claiming company. Was 10 behind both Bolshoi Ballet and Soldier Rising. So this 100 definitely fits, but we'll need to continue that form against these types of horses for me to consider him. And astronaut looks to be a horse. Astronaut likes to be towards the front, which could be something good, especially with Carmusha back aboard um, was, um, was third last year in the turf classic. So could be a player up front, but I think there's definitely more talented horses on the other side, but um, Patrick, I'll let you touch on a few things here and then we'll move on. Yeah. These euros are going to be tough. Um, Rebel Rebels romance, you know that 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 issue that happened in the Bowling Green was tough because that horse. Uh, I, I don't think Channel Maker wins that race if this horse gets the trip and doesn't click heels. Uh, so I definitely think Rebels romance is going to be tough. Um, and I also you hit on Adamo, uh, who interests me a lot. Come second off the layoff, like you said. Um, I always like that, especially with Chad Brown. Um, I think this horse will be sort of a price. Uh, you know, I, I the only thing that scares me in this race is, you know, I, I know it's, you know, you're going around a couple times is the pace, you know, who's mm-hmm. going to go to the lead here because, you know, it could get kind of questionable, um, you know, early, mm-hmm. as they like to say, early, late, if this is, uh, you know, if they slow this thing up. Well, yeah. And I mean, it's a mile and a half. So, you know, the pace is always not necessarily a biggest factor in these types of races, yeah. but Obviously, if you're going to be in the front end, you're going to have something coming down the lane. We've seen it many, many times before. But Rebels Romance just looks head and shoulders above this field if he continues to run back to um, those numbers. But we'll see how it goes. There's a lot of comments in the chat, guys. Thank you guys so much for joining in. Um, I'm looking through. Simon O'Neill is giving crap about Stone Age. But look, he may be crap, but is he good enough to beat the crap that we're throwing at him is the question. And maybe everyone but Rebels Romance. Obviously, I'm not calling War Like Goddess Crap. She's very good, but could be up against it in this field. Um, Voshan, thanks so much for joining the show, man. Greatly appreciate it. He says, Astronaut Rebels Romance Exacta. I love it. I love it. And he says, Rebels Romance going to win by at least five. Equinox, in my opinion, I don't, not my navy, in my opinion, I think they announced he wasn't coming over. Isn't he running in the Japan Cup? I'm pretty sure. I saw on Twitter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, it, Howard says he's staying in Asia. I believe that's where... His next spot is pointing. Sadly, I would have loved to see him run over here. But Noah and I are both going 5-3-6 in the Joe Hirsch. Race number seven is the grade two Woodward Stakes. Draws a field of 10. And this race is another very interesting one that has a very big horse shipping over. But Noah, my friend, you have that horse nowhere. You're going with the number four. The horse, ooh, the horse that never likes to win. Zandon on top with Pratt and Brown going with the number one, charge it in second, and the number eight, Tyson, which I applaud you, my friend. I actually very like I like Tyson a lot in this spot. But you're up, my friend. Why do you like Zandon the most? 
Yeah, when I first looked at this race, I saw a lot of speed. I, I think there's quite a few horses that can that can go to the lead and be up close. Yes, I know Zandon doesn't really like to win, and I don't know if he's really the mile and eighth, but I think the pace is just going to completely set up for him. I just think if he's good enough, he's going to get it done. Um, if you want to talk about running lines, Cody's wish, uh, he definitely wasn't beating Wide Barrio uh, last time in the Whitney. I mean, Wide Barrio just absolutely surprised a lot of us. Um, and I just – I thought what was interesting was uh, the other Chad Pipeline gets Carmouche, and Carmouche is – one of the most aggressive guys that I know out there. So I, he's definitely going to, going to go to the lead and try and set it up for Zan. And so that was kind of my thought process. Hey, I don't hate the thought process by any means. I just, I, I can never pick Zandon on top. It's just something I cannot do. The, he just does not like to win. I mean, he hasn't won since he won the bluegrass on the Derby trail in 22. So he's always there. He always gives his best effort, always runs his race. And if the pace sets up, could definitely be one to win. I just can I cannot do it. That's just and that's just probably a gripe that I have. But I think Zandon is definitely interesting underneath. But I'm gonna let you go, man. You got I don't you have charge it in second. I don't have him anywhere. I obviously we love that he's tactical and, and everything about that, but I mean the only race he's won um since uh coming back this year at Gulfstream was in the suburban where he kind of just just ran. He kind of just had a paid jog almost. Yeah. This is definitely another horse that is kind of affected by the pace, um, being down on the rail uh, with other horses that are are most likely faster. I just don't necessarily see where he fits uh, trip wise. Uh, with that being said, uh, he he's run some monster numbers, so it's just yep. he's just he's just got a weird vibe with him where where one day he won't show up and then another he'll just run his career best buyer. Um, so definitely have to respect that horse and then. I've got your uh, horse that you were interested in, Tyson, in third. Um, I, for some reason, I kind of have this this thing which is not good when I try and handicap. Um, I just, for some reason, I try and avoid those horses that are coming off of synthetic, which is absolutely not a thing you should do. I mean, you should basically give every horse a chance. Um, and it came to bite me in the ass uh, when Patrick had the winner at Remington, the horse for Safi Joseph, um, yeah. and I didn't like that horse at all. So I, I, for me as a handicapper, I feel like I need to kind of open my horizons and kind of give everybody an equal shot. And look, we, especially on this show, we always preach that lessons are most, sadly, they're mostly, they mostly come through failure. So me and you both, man, I didn't like Honor D Lady at all, which is the horse you're referencing at Remington yeah. Park. And Patrick horse has her on top and she wins passing everybody. I really liked ancient peace in that race and just didn't have enough to finish through the end. But Tyson, I think is extremely interesting. I'll talk about him um, real quick before I talk about my top pick, as you touched on that last race in the jockey club gold cup. I mean, he stayed on the whole time and he was, he never, he didn't really get the start he wanted. He's more of just a right in behind leaders or a um, on the lead type. And for him to sit in the second flight, um, with a horse like Proxy, I think, and he showed pretty good, um, pretty good gameness to stay on through that entire Jockey Club Gold Club, going a mile and a quarter at Saratoga, passed the test coming over from the synthetic. Now steps into this race where I think he's, I mean, the tacticalness of the of Tyson, I think, just sits a really nice spot. And whether he's good enough to win or not um, over horses that we have, I think he's extremely interesting 
for In the Money. And Josie Carroll, for those of you that don't know, is, of course, a very good Woodbine trainer now bringing her horses over here to the States for Hillendale and takes up Castellano, which is obviously with the year he's having, which is never a bad sign. Also, I want to touch on him real quick. I'll touch on him actually in a little bit because great story that we all know and love there. But I'm going with Algiers, guys. And there's not a love, not a lot of love for Algiers in the chat. I will say that. Um, this horse was second last race. I know he's coming off a long layoff and hasn't worked here in the States. That's my negative here. Um, that he's come over to the States in this spot and just hasn't worked over the track yet. I always like to see one work, but second in the Dubai world cup to a horse that mo- a lot of people would know by the name of, uh, Uspa Tesoro, which for those that don't know, won a, um, won a breeders cup prep race in Japan or, uh, UAE. I believe it was in Japan this year. No, it was in UAE. I'm, I don't know anymore. Uh, everything blends together, but he won a Breeders' Cup prep race in the UAE, so he will most likely be coming to the Breeders' Cup Classic, and they're coming for that Classic money. But Algiers, just he's going to be farther back a little bit. The numbers completely fit for me in this spot. If Buick has this horse in the right spot, I know most people see Buick on dirt, and they're a little bit shaky, but um, if he handles the dirt like he did, like he has in Maidan, I think Algiers is extremely interesting. And if he comes off what I assume would be his career best time form rating on the left side in the Dubai World Cup behind Uspa Tesoro, I think Algiers is very interesting. And I will be playing him very hard if he's at all um, in the double pool or anything like that. Algiers will be my top pick in this race. And the other horse we didn't talk about, or actually Noah talked about a little bit, who's the number four, uh, Zandon, I touched on. He just doesn't like to win. And he's always gives his best race, as I said, and he's going to be in the money no matter what in a race like this. But if he's good, is he, it's not even easy good enough to win. Is that, is, does he want to win on this type of spot? So I would be much inclined to play him underneath in an exacto with Algiers or something like that. If I, if you feel so strongly as I do with Algiers, um, Zandon's a great underneath play. Most likely at a middling price again at four or five to one, something like that. But I'm not going to pick him on top for everything I just said. I'm going three, eight, four. Noah's going four, one, eight. Guys, moving over to the last leg in the middle pick, the middle mandatory payout pick five. It is an allowance race for $80,000 going seven furlongs on the dirt, which is uh, for New York breads. This draws a field of nine in this race. And I'll switch over to the Equibase right now. The morning line favor will most likely be the number two. Be your boss for um, Irad and Michael Maker. And most likely the second choice will be the number nine on the outside. Rocket and Roll for Pratt and Cox. There's a lot of... Um, so then Siggy Mendoza, I'm going to touch on this real quick before I continue with this race. Siggy puts in the chat, Algiers lost to Dubai World Cup because the dirt became a quicksand at Maidan, which is obviously where he raced in the, UA, um, in the UAE for his best race. And you guys can watch that. I did watch that replay. So Siggy, I'm glad you pointed it out because um, that was one thing I wanted to touch on. It almost just seemed like he didn't, he didn't get cut through as much coming to the wire as he was coming down the lane at. So... Siggy, thanks so much for joining the show. I greatly appreciate it. 
um, I just I get it, Rob. I completely understand what you're saying. But if he's just talented enough to beat a field like this, which is time for him, figs suggest, I think um, Algiers is definitely interesting, especially when there's a bunch of speed in front of him. So that's all I'm saying, man. I mean, could easily be the opposite and couldn't ship over here well, but um, I'm willing to take a shot with a horse that ran his best buyer losing to a horse who just qualified for the Breeders' Cup Classic. But I completely understand uh, what you're saying. Race number eight, guys, we have the same, and I didn't put that as a ticker, so I apologize. Give me one <laughs> second. Strike one on the host today. We are going with the same top three. We're both going with Be the Boss, and I understand that it's very chalky today, but realistically in this race, I mean, I don't know how you saw Noah. He just looks head and above figures-wise, and coming back to an aqueduct track that – um, coming back to a distance that he's relished in the past, that is seven, gets a little bit extra distance, I think could be the key here. Yeah, I I agree with what you were saying. Uh, Figures-wise in those last two, I think those are pretty much head and shoulders above the rest of the field. Um, he did run the bullet on August 27th, but the concern is that he hasn't trained since, or he hasn't worked since. Yeah. Um, but just he's going to be on the front end and uh, just with the with the type of field that he's facing today, um, he's going to have a, a great shot. Uh, the wild card for me was the one. I don't know if the one is – the one's probably going to send from the inside um, and stretching out from five and a half to seven. Uh, I just – it, it just kind of depends on what the one does because if the one just completely sends, I think be the boss is classy enough to just sit right off and then go by. Um but then again, be the boss can just, I think the boss is comfortable being on the lead. So I just think the versatility kind of puts him um, up above the rest of the field. I agree with you. And I mean, I'm looking at this race at Belmont earlier in the year. Again, it was an off the turf race, but where he's able to rate. I love these kind of, these horses like to be out the front, but have the ability to rate just in behind. And there is a decent amount of other speed in this race, although not too much. There's a lot of horses in here that are also kind of regressing. A lot of horses coming from open company, then going to state bread, and then coming back. The, no, the only other one that I thought was very interesting coming from a little bit of a tactical standpoint was Rocket and Roll. Of course, on the outside for Spendthrift, Cox, Pratt, those connections will, of course, take money. But coming off a main win, um, couldn't get it done in open company. Ships from Oaklawn over to Saratoga off a layoff, or yeah, over to Saratoga off a layoff, and gets the job done. Um, even though he was off a little bit slower than obviously he wanted to be previously in his running line. But maybe that was just the key. We saw that rock and roll could rate. And if there's enough speed, which I'm not sure there is to get him home, especially shifting into this type of allowance company, facing winners for the first time. I do think he's interesting underneath. That's something you want to look at. But with Be the Boss, again, I know he'll be favored in this spot, but these last two races – Getting back up to the seven furlong distance where he will most likely rate in behind, I think, is going to be the key. Irad's going to put him in a good position, I'm sure. And running off his two, be his two best efforts in a while since last year at, at this meet, I think Be the Boss could be very tough to beat in a spot like this. But the one horse that I thought was very interesting, and I'm, so, I'm glad you have this horse in here, Noah, because it just proves how astute you are, my friend. Callaloo for David Donk. And Jose Gomez, who hasn't – David Donk's 0 for 8 in the money this. But this spot, um, one earlier in the meet, or early in the year at Aqueduct, going this same type of field, although a little bit longer, 
Um, did get a little bit cold pace, but I think if he shows a little bit of tactical speed that he showed in the past, I think that could be the key for Kalalu. Yeah, it definitely could be the key uh, from a pace standpoint. I just think last time he needed the race, um, uh, obviously lost to be the boss, um, but he definitely was too far back. I mean, seven and a half yeah. and, and eight lengths back heading towards the top of the stretch. Um, and then um, I don't, he's popped the 94. Um, and he, lo- he loves Aqueduct, uh, four for seven in the money. Um, so I just think he's going to be one of the ones that's going to come and try and get be the boss at the end. Yeah, and I mean, this is, this is my thing where if he shows that type of where right next to him, I think that if the speed breaks down a little bit, but I don't think there's enough speed for it to completely melt down, I think both Kalaloo and be the boss are going to be the two beneficiaries of that in that case. I would be willing to take them, as you'll see in my best bets coming forward. I'm taking both of them on top. Obviously, Rockin' and Roll can win for sure if he continues to improve. But it's first time facing winners, gets all the way on the outside. Pratt's going to have to navigate a spot if he doesn't want to go to the lead, which most likely off that last effort, I'm sure even though he did get off slow, I'm sure they'll try to rate him again. And if he can get a clean spot, Rockin' and Roll can definitely win, but will definitely be a tougher ask against winners but going back full screen here guys i'm going two seven nine noah's going two nine seven no i'm going to go to you first again this is bets best bets territory coming here again thank you guys all so much for watching the show and there's one thing that i want to promote before we move on to our best bets portion of the show um this coming up um as you guys know this last uh saratoga meet we did saratoga only power picks and there was a great hit with you guys we didn't do the best at the start of the meet, but as the meet went on, we picked up some some good steam and we finished with some a very respectable ROI number. But this, we surveyed you guys that took out the uh, the Saratoga power picks, and we asked you guys if you guys wanted the Keeneland only power picks. Obviously, Keeneland's a lot shorter meet than Saratoga is, only running in October. But um, you guys voted that you guys wanted it, so uh, asking you shall receive, guys. Here they are: Keeneland only power picks. Um, subscribe now on hhhracingpodcast.com. Again, that is adding the Power Picks tip sheet section at the top. I'm going to pull it up real quick right now so you guys know um, what you guys are looking for. But it's the same. It's going to be in the same place that the Saratoga Power Picks is. So I'm going to go. I'm pulling up hhhracingpodcast.com right now. So you guys will see here. Um, this will be. This will take you to our YouTube channel. This will take you to the Power Picks. But right here at the top, Power Picks tip sheet. So we'll go and you'll see Keeneland Power Picks tip sheet, and you guys will subscribe now. So you see full meat Power Picks is forty dollars, and an individual weekend is only fifteen. So if you buy the full meat Power Picks, I believe you get a, um, I believe you get five dollars off your full subscription. I believe it's a three week meet. So. If I took finance in college and my math is correct, I believe that's five dollars off. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not wrong. But you get five dollars off if you subscribe for the full meet um, of forty dollars. If not, if you want to buy individual weekends, again, that's fifteen dollars a week. I would highly recommend Keeneland. Not to mention um, who we have writing the power picks. Obviously Howard, but the Grade One Gamble Champion from last year, from earlier in the or from last year, from earlier in the spring, the guy who won the Premier Spring Keeneland Tournament. Uh, Paul Halloran is going to be writing these power picks. So I don't know if you're going to not necessarily want it from anybody else, from a guy who knows Keeneland, for the guys from know Keeneland up and down, like Howard, Pete, and Paul. So subscribe today again, hhhracingpodcast.com. But 
We're going to move on to our best bets here. Again, it's just me and Noah as Patrick with that pickleball tournament had a little bit of a hiccup, but what? Go ahead, man. What's up? Listen, I'll, I'll have a little uh, a little dessert for you guys after you have your best mm. bets. Maybe a little Ryder Cup. I saw our friend Brian mm-hmm. Anderson in the chat. So uh, absolutely. Uh, this morning I was looking at some stuff. Uh, make sure make sure you drink your coffee on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because these times are something. From oh, a... yeah, that's the problem when they have it in Europe, my man. That's, oh it's my a, what, gosh. They go off at like two in the morning. I know. Um, but either way, we'll get to some Ryder Cup action. That was gonna be a, my surprise for you guys before right, we end good. the show, but. Um, Noah, your best bets. Race number four, you're going to go with the win on the number four, Bourbon Calling, which before I mean, I highly respect, man, because I have no idea what to do with that race. So I highly respect it, and I'm looking to hear more. And, of course, race number six, going with a double, singling the number five. And if I remember correctly, that is uh, Rebels Romance. And you're singling Rebels Romance and going uh, Dutch doubles into the one, four, and eight. Noah, talk about your best bets. Yeah, we touched on it quite a bit in race four. It's an absolute cluster. Um, the four bourbon calling was the only horse that I had relative interest in. Um, so what the hell, I might as well bet the horse to win. Uh, and then in race six, um, Rebels Romance, I just think he's a real deal. Uh, a couple other Euros that could be a threat, but I just think uh, he's probably the most likely in that race. And then Dutch, uh, Dutch Double, excuse me. With uh, Zanin, who is my top pick, who Kyle, you made it adamant that he doesn't like to win. Uh, so I've got Charge It and uh, Josie, who you were a big fan of, uh, both on the book end of that. Double. I love the Tyson, man. I do. And hey, if he wins, Josie Carroll will be a very happy woman as she'll come down from uh, Woodbine and win. So good luck with your best bets. No, obviously, those are I've, I'm including with all those picks. Obviously, you touched on my Zandon, but we won't. Um, I, again, he can win. He's super talented. It's just a matter of he needs to put it together to win. But if he puts it together, I would love to see that horse win. That's one that you know you've been watching forever. So good luck with your best bets. My best bets, guys. I'm gonna go. Uh, race number five is one two with five. Race number five is the Gallon Bloom Stakes. That's Caramel Swirl and Sterling Silver that I have underneath. Sterling Silver will be a little bit more of a price, obviously, than Caramel Swirl. I'd be willing to take that double at probably no less than three, probably four to one. That's um, Caramel Swirl and the Rebels Romance, which you might not get four to one. But I think for those two horses that look head and shoulders above the rest in that field, maybe not Rebels Romance head and shoulders, but you get you understand my point. I think four to one would be fair there, and Carmel and for uh, Sterling Silver, I think more like nine to one is what you'll want with a horse like Sterling Silver who needs to improve and take that little bit extra step forward to be able to beat a horse like Carmel Swirl, Swirl, but tactically could get it done. And race number seven, I'm going. I'm singling number three, Algiers. Again, I'm very high on him. If he ends up winning this race, I will be alive to a pretty decent double. I would assume into the number two, be the boss, and the number seven. Uh, Kalalu, who's in that race. So um, if Algiers can get home, I think we have a really good shot of hitting that one for a decent number. I would be willing to take no less than six to one on the one from Algiers to, or five, five, six to one from Algiers to be the boss, and no less than 10, 11, 12 to one to Kalaku, or Kalalu. So um, again, keep an eye on your value lines, guys. I don't, a lot of these, I play all these best bets that I give out unless they go below my value line stated. I like to pick and choose my spots as I do this more and more. I found that picking your spots with prices that you really like and um, you're not just playing for, you know, 
a six to five favorite to bet on. Maybe that is value to you. You know, maybe you think the horse should be three to five and it's all relative. So if it's going below my value line, I don't end up playing it. But if it's above, I'm glad I think it's more than what it should pay. And for what I think the likeliness of it is, and I'm willing to play that. So always set I what I always like to do, and again, take this however you will. I set myself a number. If it's above the number, I play it. If it's below the number, I don't play it. And that's just the way that I save money. And if it hits, you know, you're not losing out on too much or what you believe is too much based on the number you set. But that's one thing to keep in mind. So good luck, everybody, at um, Belmont, the Belmont meet at Aqueduct this Saturday for Vosburg Day. Again, we're going to get into a little bit of Ryder Cup talk here before we get off the air because I know um, we're all golfers here. We all enjoy, and especially the Ryder Cup, which in my opinion, I know um, – some people will say it's the Masters, but the Ryder Cup's easily – I know it only comes around every two years, but it's easily the most um, exciting tournament when it finally does come around. Um, obviously, USA versus Europe this year. They're in Europe. Um, does anyone – where are they playing? They're playing Italy, right, I believe? Yeah, in Rome. 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 Yeah. Yep. You know, that's interesting. I mean, Marco Simone Golf Club. Hey, I'm here for it. And it's going to be hot. Gonna it be is going to be hot, and – I'll tell you what, guys, as much as I hate to say it, Europe looks very, very good this year. And I, I would love to bet on the USA. And I, you know, I probably will just for just uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, sniff the NA copium, sniff the North American copium where I just cope and hope that the US wins. But uh, Patrick, I'll go to you first, my friend. It's going to be a tough ask this year. Yeah, it always is. You know, when you go well, to the foreign right, yeah. soil, um, you know, at first, I really, you know, did think Europe was going to be tough to beat. But you, the, if you look at the betting odds now, they've completely flipped into Europe's favor. Everybody's hammering Europe. Um, I, I, I'm not going to touch, um, you know, the teams, who's going to yep. win. Uh, the things I like to do is always the top point score throughout the whole, um, you know, whole tournament. So, you know, I see Rob in the chat. He, he's got Sepp Straka as the top Euro. Um, I I like to do this, the total top point scores throughout both teams. And I usually like to pick two and I usually pick just two us guys. Um, and my two this year are going to be Xander and uh, Max Homa. You're going to get 15 plus 1500 on Xander and plus 2200 on max. Um, you know, with Xander, he's coming in really hot. He's going to play. Yep. With Can- he's going to play with Cantlay um, in the foursomes. He should be able to collect points there. Um, I expect him to play all five, uh, you know, five matches that they play. Um, so I just think you're going to get good odds in a spot where, um, you know, he could, if he comes in like he's been playing, he he could, you know, run the table and just run a perfect Ryder Cup and get all, you know, get the most points he possibly can get. And then the same deal with Homa. He's going to play with Morikawa, who I don't know if you remember those two in the President's Cup. Oh, my God. I mean, Homa went 4-0. He was unbelievable. He was unconscious. You know, he was a rookie that year. Um so I expect those the U.S. team, to be quite honest, lean on those two guys. Um, we'll see. We're getting good odds, um, kind of like horse racing, getting some pretty decent odds, betting a pick four, pick five. Hey, Brad uh, Anderson's on your side, my friend. He loves Xander. And obviously, it almost seems like, yeah. and obviously those of you that know, um, that have been following the show, I do a golf pool in between uh, just before the Masters through the Open Championship. And whoever picks Xander does absolutely nothing through the entirety of the open but after that he ends up picking up steam which obviously yeah. we see here again um 
Sander could definitely be. I mean, he's definitely a value pick. I would say on that team as well. Um, I I've talked enough shit on Justin Thomas. I don't need to talk more shit. I him. so wanted to bet something just to let you know that I'm rooting for him, dude. Uh, I mean, look, I love Justin Thomas as much as the next guy, man. But like, just objectively, he's been he has no, been nowhere near his form that he's shown. I, I I agree, but you also have to look at what he's done in these in this I understand. format. You know, him and Speed, they're gonna be they're gonna be that they're gonna pair up with a McElroy. You know, with with who Rory's with and who's wrong with. I can guarantee you that. So I get it though. I agree. Yep. And, um, and Howard brings up a good point. Um, you know, when is the last time the U S won the Ryder cup in Europe and that 30 years is the correct answer. The last, the last yeah. time America won in Europe was 1993. Well, and terrible. obviously, which is a funny number, right? Because they play on even number or they play on, they play every two years. But um, obviously, it started in 2008, but they skipped 2012. Um, it's just, it's going to be, a, it's always a tough ask when they go over there. It's such a different realm of golf in Europe as it is to, um, but obviously, that's why people love it. And Europe always brings the heat when it comes to the Ryder Cup, i.e. fans yeah. and that type of stuff. So the U.S. is definitely in for a scare. Noah, I'm going to you next, man. I mean, I... I would love to hammer Europe, but did, what are they? Do you know what their just overall like money line is? Basically, I want I'm not that. sure. I think when it first opened up, they were plus money, but I I think what Patrick says is true. I I feel like there's been a lot of a lot of uh, yeah. money bet they're on plus Europe. hundred. Yeah, Actually, US, they're okay. pretty much even. Yeah, US okay. is plus one ten now. Yeah. There was a time where the U.S. was minus 250. Sorry to cut you off, Noah. But, it, I mean, it, it's crazy how much the public has hammered Europe. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, in terms of ind- individuals, um, one guy that you're definitely not going to get as good of a price as Xander and Homa. Um, but I love Brooks Kepka. I mean, he's just all swagger. Um, he's just going to shut up all those live and PGA haters. He's going to represent our country. He's going to. You know, he always plays the chip on his shoulder. And I feel like if you're Team Europe, that's the one guy that scares you the most. I mean, he he can fire rounds like nobody's business. And he's got the he's got the repertoire to back it up. Um, and I just I'm just saying, look out for Brooks Kepka. I think he's going to have a big he's going to have a big weekend. Major Brooks, man. I mean, look, he thrives. I mean, you could just just Brooks Kepka as a guy thrives in these types of environments. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And that's definitely one thing to lift the trophy. U.S. to lift the trophy, U.S. is actually favored, which obviously they'd be favored because they won last time. So if they tie, they retain. But which that's right, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm questioning myself now at this point. At this point, but winning margin, I mean, you can bet that as well. There's a lot of different bets you can make up make on the Ryder Cup. Obviously, you touch on you could touch you can bet certain players as well. But like we said, U.S. hasn't won in 30 years, and the fact that they have to travel over into Rome this year, which we haven't, which, correct me if I'm wrong, they really don't see, you don't see much of golf in any of the Italian states. So, no, um, it'll definitely be interesting for sure. Um, Xander's one interesting one. Obviously, we touched on Justin Thomas. Brooks Kepka was going to be another one I touched on. So, all the boy, all the obviously the astute guys next to me are taking all the points, but there's, it's, Going to be um, boost on Hard Rock tonight, plus one forty-five to the U.S. to lift the trophy. So that's plus plus money there. Um, 
could be very good. Um, he asked Howard, who's his favorite golfer of all time. And we'll end with that guys. Cause um, we'll end on a little bit of fun note here. Um, obviously we talked about our Ryder cup bets and stuff like that, but Patrick, one uh, the question goes to you, my friend, who is your favorite golfer of all time? This, uh, this question's very easy for me. It's very easy for me too. And it's going to be a boring one, but Tiger Woods, the great, the greatest golfer of all time, Tiger Woods, you mean? Uh-huh. <laughs> He's absolutely my favorite golf. I mean, obviously, you're on the same page as me. There's too. different. There's there's a difference between the older guys and the younger guys, right? Because we grew up with Tiger Woods and everything yeah. that Tiger Woods. Obviously, he. I still think he's the greatest golfer of all time. Jack Nicklaus, Arnold Palmer, they're all extremely good, and they definitely are the greatest. Of, like they're part of the greatest of all time. But Tiger Woods, to me, I, he's really the things he did from 1999 to like 2006, seven. Uh, will never be matched again. That's just the way it goes. Noah, I mean, I if you, I, I wouldn't doubt, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't hate on you for doing the same thing we did. But maybe you got a little bit of a more fun opinion. No, my favorite golfer is one that the boss is not a fan of, just because of his recent decisions in the last couple of years. Um, oh, but I, I, I've always been a Phil fan from day one. You know, oh, he's yeah. a lefty. I'm a lefty. I am too. Um, I hear you. He, I he, hits those, he hits those notorious flop shots. Uh, I'd like to do that. I'd like to say that I could do the same. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, but at the same time, you know, you could say he's he's done whatever the last couple of years. I just think he doesn't give a rat's ass what other people think about him. Oh, and no. I just, I just kind of <laughs> like that. Well, you know, you talk about talk about uh, that's a good uh, segue to the end of the show, betting and boozing, because remember that thing that came out about Phil betting like a, you know, a billion dollars or something yeah. over his oh, yeah. lifetime, which I mean, the dude makes enough money. Don't get me wrong, but a billion dollars, dude, that's that's an insane amount, you know, to think about just wagering on that type of stuff. Uh, he's turned on me. I love Phil. Obviously, like Noah said, being a lefty, of course, I loved Phil as well, but. Like you know, I said he just doesn't give a shit, right? I mean, just he'll love him, hate him, doesn't matter at this point. He'll come out, play golf, cash checks, and smell you later. It's basically Phil's motto nowadays. But um, all these, all the guys um, that are in here still, and all the girls, of course, um, thank you guys so much for joining the show and staying with us through the Ryder Cup talk. Um, we've had a ton of fun throughout this show, and obviously, we had a great card to cover. Although, albeit a little bit quicker. Um, that we, they only came out the pps only came out today but tune in to twitter as uh noah does it sometimes i do it every single weekend i put my picks out every week so all the scratches changes all that will be on the twitter at ap roscoe k and again subscribe to those keeneland power picks hhhracingpodcast.com get your picks or get your power picks before keeneland starts you're not gonna want to miss it but um like i said thanks everyone again for watching for my co-host patrick Kunsel. And Noah Maher, it's been your host, Kyle Roscoe, in episode 41 of Betting and Boozing here on the HHH Racing Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night.